Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Habibis, three game developers drinking good Arab tea. I'm your host for this week, Osama Dorias. And I am Fauzi Mesmar. Hey Fauzi, do we do the Rami voice? <laughs> do we do... And I'm Ravi Ismail. Did we agree that like, whoever the third person is just goes like, and I'm Ravi Ismail. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know, I, I would go the other way. <laughs> Third person is always high pitched. Hello, I'm the third person. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you literally sound like Mickey Mouse. Like you can impersonate Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Do it again, but like say something about Minnie or Pluto. Well, Brent, this is, not, is how you think I sound anyway. I always sound like Mickey Mouse to you. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Touche. <laughs> so unfortunately, Ravi couldn't be here with us today. And, uh, you know, it's it's getting it's getting to that point again. Uh, we started this podcast during the pandemic when all of a sudden we were all uh, grounded because <laughs> yeah. all of us had like busy lives where we were, you know, traveling a lot for work and for conferences and for different things. And all of a sudden that came to a crashing halt and we're like, well, since we're home and we like each other and we're calling each other to talk anyway, let's do a podcast. But now, like, it feels like life is starting up again. And, uh, of, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy for me. Like, you know, one of the craziest things, like, over the past two years, I've had, like, you know, some big life milestones happen yeah. to me. Like, maybe five or six of them. And then, like, you know, like, important events in my life. But, like, during during those two years, I was still, like, the same dude in my sweatpants in my kitchen, you know, like working remotely and, um, you know, like just talking into, uh, into a computer and like coming back from that. Um, like now, like, you know, as you're saying, the travel is becoming a thing again, work travel is going to be a thing, uh, talking to, like I'm talking, uh, doing public speaking in person again and like meeting people that I've probably have spoken to during, those past couple of years, you know, a lot, some people come up to me, it was like, Hey, you, uh, you know, you taught me in the class, but I didn't have my camera on. So you don't know what I look like. <laughs> or, um, you know, I, <laughs> like, you know, you come to, you know, I came to the, to the talk you did at this conference, but you know, like I was one of a bunch of list of names on the thing. So, you know, we've never really met in person or I played the game you made and I love it or I hate it. And then, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> and I have this thing to say, but I never actually met like, you know, give you an example like one of the bigger events that happened to me like in the past couple of years in which uh, that like i finished my master's degree uh, from Durham such university a such a big deal and that's the funny thing like you know the, the graduation day that like, they couldn't hold it because of covid so um they said they booked us all in the same time and then the dean or the head of the university did this talk over streaming um on youtube and I just realized, like, there's this big event, and I'm, like, in my kitchen, in my sweatpants, eating Vietnamese takeout, and I'm watching this guy talk on 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 a video. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's not the same at all. Like, luckily, like, you know, the, the university decided that they want to hold an in-person event this year, and uh, I'm going to go and wear the square hat and, like, you know, live through the whole moment. Mm-hmm. But, like, for the majority of time, like, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, there was all of these moments kind of happening around me and I'm yet to see how the world has affected me or like how am I been affected by the world because of that. So absolutely, it's, uh, it's kind of wild going back into life, you know, I know it's like, it's whiplash to be quite honest. There was a little bit of whiplash because right before, um, everything started opening up again, there was a period where things were starting to open up again, but slower, right? Um, and uh, uh, then Omicron hit. Yeah. And when Omicron hit, um, everything shut down. Like, I don't know about your experience there in, in, in Sweden, but in Canada, everything mm. shut down again, like super, like whiplash type. Work. Yeah. And now things are opening up again faster, not l- less gradual than they did right before yeah. uh, Omicron. And I'm having a little bit of whiplash where we went from, you know, restrictions are being lifted slowly, everyone's easing into uh, a new reality, and then, oh, no, oh, no, everyone, go back to your homes, Omicron's here. And now it's like, <laughs> yeah. all the restrictions are gone, do whatever you yeah. want. And I'm like, no, what? Why? I mean, 
it's too much <laughs> it's too fast totally man like you know there was a period of time like in last uh, like as the winter was starting um or like you know late autumn and we're like you know okay so like uh, we got the vaccines you know like we're starting to deal with this so maybe by next gdc i'll be able to do a presentation so i'm actually speaking at gdc <laughs> but then like but then like the committee the committee from gdc like contacted me in january and they were like you need to tell us right now if you're going to do it in person or uh, remote and yeah. January was like you know high Omicron season. Yeah, so I was like, well, was. if you need me to tell you now, then yeah, I'm not going. Yeah, and then now every you know every day I'm getting messages from all the developers going like, are you going to be at GDC? I'm going, and I was like, yeah. oh no, I'm missing out. I'm not going to be at GDC this year, and everybody else is going. So it's like there's a huge shift back and forth yeah. on this whole thing. Uh, that's that happened to me too. I booked my GDC tickets and my hotel in October before Omicron, and I nearly mm. canceled them in December. And I was like, you know what? I already booked them, and uh, like it's you get credit anyway if you cancel it, right? So yeah. uh, you, you don't, it's not like you get your money back or anything. I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll just keep, hold on to it. I'll cancel it closer to the date uh, because it didn't look like anybody was going, and I really didn't think the event was going to happen live at that point. Um, yeah. but it did. And I just kept all, all my bookings since, nice. but you know how many times? Yeah. And initially I'm like, I'm going to be the only person at GDC. Everyone, literally <laughs> everyone I asked yeah. who I normally see said no. And now maybe 20% of those people said yes, but like within the last two weeks. So it's still going to yeah. be like a tiny baby GDC compared to usual. Yeah. But it, it it's way more than when I was literally the only person I knew who was confirmed <laughs> at one point. And like it's, this GDC, like you're also you're hosting something. Last GDC, you were also hosting something. <laughs> yes, actually, this GDC, I had the honor, uh, I have the honor of hosting the Game Developers Choice Awards, which is such oh, a big amazing. deal. I can't oh, believe that's it. Super cool. Like I look I'm on at, a jury for that, so I'm uh, looking no forward way. to see if <laughs> what awesome. uh, what which awards are going to who. Yeah, I can't wait to see myself. I don't know, like contrary to popular belief, I don't know who the winners are until you know the the the, the zero hour, like when you actually open the, the envelope. So I'm I'm gonna be as excited and surprised as everyone else. That makes you the best host then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have to prepare a whole bunch of jokes depending on who wins. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Good thing dad jokes are easy, right? <laughs> don't do the moonlight joke. That's yeah. a, that's an overdone. <laughs> <laughs> no promises. <laughs> so that's the thing. Um, it, it, what a huge change because I was, okay, rewind to 2020, right before the pandemic. Mm. I was invited to host, uh, sorry, to give the keynote speech at GDC in 2020, which wow. was yeah, going to be the biggest talk of my career at that point. Uh, yeah. It still is to this uh, to this point. It's still the biggest talk of my career. I was so excited, and I went and I bought a new suit, and I was like imagining mm. myself in front of this huge crowd. Usually, there are thousands of people, and then of course the pandemic hit, and GC was canceled. Yeah. And yeah, I was really really disappointed and very sad, but understood, of course, right? Yeah. Um, then they asked me to come back and give uh the the uh keynote in 2019 uh, sorry in 2021 i went back in time mm. instead of forward in time <laughs> in 2021 and uh it's a completely different experience still a huge honor i was still very excited but there's it was remote so i had to yeah. re-record the talk and um not it wasn't the same like i still had the 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 clothes that i wore uh that i had bought for the first time uh mm. and but re-recording is not the same. You don't get that feeling. You're not on stage, the... you know. You're no. not getting the feeling. No. I have not been on stage for two years. That's such a weird feeling for me. When I used to give a talk on average every month, sometimes way, <laughs> way more, as, as you do. So I know you understand that that feeling, right? Yeah, for and, sure. And, but I was there in person when it w went live in the chat, talking to people and seeing the reaction. And I still felt a lot of the emotions that you get and mm. a little bit more interactivity because usually when you're giving a talk, the interactivity is is not is is understated. You see uh, their yeah, that's true. Their emotions, right? But here, I was actually talking to people and conversing with them over chat. It was a different experience. And now the whiplash, as I mentioned, where I'm going to be back in a, a much smaller venue, uh, like with social distancing and the seating. Like there are few people per table. Like all the precautions are being taken. But it's mm. this is my first talk in person. Um, 
for the last two years. The first time I take a plane for the last two years, the first time I go to a conference for the last two years, all happening at the same time. I'm super wow. excited about it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's uh, for me like I, I need a, I feel like I need a bit of readjustment. Yeah, to kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. come back into it because like yeah, like you said, every, like it's kind of like the uh, all the restrictions are lifted all at once. Like yep, yeah, do whatever you want. I was like, oh, maybe I'll not yeah. do that for a bit. I had a board game night last week where we all tested ourselves for COVID in the morning. And then, yeah. you know, and basically we invited eight people, which is the maximum for most board games. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> like but we're, we brought board games for three people, for four, for five, just in case, because we didn't know who's going to test positive and yeah. who wasn't. Thankfully, nobody, everybody tested negative and everybody showed up, but we had a really good time. But that was the first board game night I've had in I don't know how long. And wow. it just felt odd that this was such a common, normal thing. And we were celebrating it like it was a huge event because we haven't done it in so long. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a new normal for sure. You know, yeah. like, um, and like, I wonder, like, you know, there were probably like, you know, kids that were like 16 before the pandemic and now they're 18 or like 17 and now they're like, you know, college time. Or I wonder like uh, how people that went through like, critical years of their life during these odd circumstances feel yeah i remember i used to have like friends over all the time uh for my kids like they used to have their friends yeah. over all the time and sleepovers and whatnot and now they yeah. just spend all their time online and it's hard for me to tell them not to because yeah. that's where their friends are yeah so what do you like depriving them from Online times depriving them from their friendships. Literally, there's, it's a one to one. You can't say bring them over or go over to their house anymore. That's just not uh, a thing. I I don't know if you're the same, but like for me, <laughs> I'm having this thing. Whenever I'm meeting somebody um, in person for the first time, I'm always surprised by, about how tall they are. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, not necessarily that they're taller than me or yeah. shorter than me, but like you know, I have no perception of their height. I go yeah. like, I know you really well. But this is the first time I see you in person and like get to understand <laughs> your life measurement <laughs> compared to me. So I used to get that also a similar thing. Not exactly the same, but a similar thing when I used to meet like Twitter friends, online friends at conferences mm. and who who didn't post a lot of videos. So you only see their picture. If, if it's an avatar, I just like, oh, that's what you look like and you move on. Yeah. But if they had pictures and I'm like, Oh, that's what your face looks like in movements. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's there's a little bit of of uh, like there's a little bit of of, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's not the same when you see people just in still shots and then you see them uh, in movement and you're like, okay, your face is different. They they look yeah. like what you when you know you, when you meet the siblings of your friends for the first time and they kind of look yeah. like their friends but not exactly. It feels like that. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so, you uh, were, talk, you were ahead, talking about board games earlier, and I think it's one of the games I want to talk about today is actually a board game wow, that became really? a video game. Yeah, um, have you have you ever played the Gloomhaven? Yeah, actually, I did play Gloomhaven with friends. That's it's a really good game. I think we're gonna have a very interesting <laughs> uh, difference <laughs> in this conversation because I never actually played the board game. I only played the video game based off the board game. Interesting. <laughs> and you've never played the video game, I assume. Only played the board game, I so we're gonna be comparing those. Yeah, yeah. So okay. like, uh, so um, you know, we, uh, me, and a group of friends, we chose this game because like we wanted to play something together. Yes. Um, and we're in different parts of the world, and we haven't met up in like also almost two years now. Like they're, they're really good friends from of mine in the UK, and I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, they're, they're like, you know, they're my type of geeks. So they suggested the <laughs> uh, Gloomhaven to play. And obviously I've heard a lot about Gloomhaven. Yes. But yeah, I just never got the opportunity to play it. And I know it's a big game and setting it up takes a long time. And it's a, it's a, it's a core game. Like it's a dungeon crawler mm-hmm. co-op board game, if I would describe it. Have you ever played a legacy board game before? Like a, a legacy risk- board game. Okay. Risk Legacy or Pandemic Legacy. Uh, Risk Legacy, I believe, was the first one. It's the first one I've played. I think it was the first one I've seen. Where I played Risk. Legacy yes. is a different uh, approach to it. Yes. So the interesting thing about it, because Gloomhaven comes from that. It comes from that brand of board game. Um, uh-huh. 
the Risk Legacy, I played with a bunch of friends at Gameloft for the first time, with, I don't know, 10 years ago now. Um, it's, it's a board game that has spoilers. It's a board game that has persistence between mm. one uh, game and the, uh, and the next. So okay. you have factions, and really at the very beginning of the game, when you start, you choose which faction you want to play, and then you have to choose between one of two abilities, but then you rip up the other one. And permanently, anytime you play that game again, that faction now has one of those two abilities. It's a sticker that you mm-hmm. put on the board. So if you go to someone else, just like just from that very first decision, you go to, there are five or I think five factions at the beginning. You go to someone else's game and just their game is going to be different already because they chose most likely a very different combination of first abilities for each of those five factions. So already the game is different from the beginning. Um, I see. W- once you rip it up, it's gone. Like there's no, oh, I changed my mind. I want to have this ability. No, that, it's cemented on it. The factions themselves can gain more abilities. The board can change. You could, you know, in Risk, how it works, where you could move from one location to the next. You could, okay. you, those connections can be severed. You cannot, sometimes you can't cross anymore between one country or, or the other. Or other times, new connections can be formed. Oh, interesting. You actually draw on the board. You have stickers that go on that modify things. There are um, spoilers. There are new things to discover. Like, don't spoil it for yourself. There are really, really Mm. cool moments that happen that change the board and the way the game is played forever. There are mechanics that are added gradually. Initially, when you look at the rules book, Mm. it has empty spots. Uh, and then when there are these boxes that say open during this condition or open during that condition, there's even one hilarious one that says never open. <laughs> you can open it whenever you want, I guess. <laughs> and you just open them up and you get stickers that you add to the rule sheet that modify the rules. You get, um, I don't want to say what you get because it will ruin it for people who have never played it before. So wow. pa- Pandemic Legacy was exactly that. It took Pandemic and it made a co-op game where it evolves and changes over time. And then mm-hmm. Boomhaven came out where it's like, let's take that to like times 100, where it's like wow. a video game in board game form, where you level up, you gain XP, you gain new abilities, uh, like you you have new missions that, that come up if you finish the old ones. It's a legacy. It's one of the, the bigger legacy board games. So for it to go back to video games, even after being inspired from the persistence of video games, that in itself yeah. is interesting. I think like that is the part that I appreciate about this the most is that like as I'm playing the video game, I'm going like, wow, that board game must require you to take so much notes, uh, make sure that you resolve so many things. And I'm thinking to myself, like people must make mistakes all the time when they're resolving gloom having attacks or stuff like that, because there's just so much that happens. Yes. And uh, I think they found interesting ways to simplify it. Like you, yeah. Uh, yeah, because you have like two attacks that are available to you, uh, two cards that are available mm. to you, and they have two abilities on it. And then you use one or the other, and then the card yes. is gone. And it's it's always yeah. constantly like that. So they simplify it where it's like one decision at a time, and everything like resolves easily. So I'm I'm curious yeah. to see if they up the complexity in the, in the video game version. Uh, so like maybe that's in the board game or not, but like to give you an example, what I'm saying is that um, for some character classes or enemy attacks, there's are there are advantages or disadvantages uh, based on where you place yourself as you're initiating an attack, for example. Yes. And um, the disadvantage or advantage, you draw like a, a card that will either modify your attack or modify the damage you get mm-hmm. or not at all. Um, or allows you or not allow you to do certain things. So yeah. remembering like, you know, if you're an archer, but you try to uh, do an attack on one cell proximity to an enemy, then you are at a disadvantage. Therefore, you can't do these things, Yeah. for example. It's one of those things like if, if you don't have some, like a, 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 if it's a board game and one of the players is not like, you know, on it, yeah, then yeah. you might miss it and like you know screw up the the, the attack or whatever that is. Or like you know, obviously it's not going to be the end of the world. No, yeah. but I'm saying like in a video game form, like the game resolving a lot of these things for you yeah. feels like so much uh, better, work, like easier hassle than like a setup on a board game. Yeah, there's definitely bookkeeping in the in the board game version like that. Um, the interesting yeah. thing is uh, you have a character and the character persists. So eventually 
everyone learns how to play their characters and their strengths and weaknesses. And like, it, you make the mistakes maybe at the beginning, or you have asked the questions at the beginning. Uh, I'm a, mm. a, a rules lawyer. Like, I play a lot of uh-huh, nice. gathering with people, and I teach them how to play. So I'm like, nope, you can't do that. That the conflicts. Like, I'm a, a naturally a rules lawyer. So with Gloomhaven, nice. I'm like, I don't think that works. Let me look it up. I won't let you move to the next. I won't let you try it. No, we're gonna find out <laughs> if, if it's if it's in the rules or not. And only when I can't find the answer, we're like, okay, this is. Like let's let's move on, but there are yeah. a lot of instances like that, especially when the, the the characters level up and then the complexity gets added. But that's what I like yeah. about it is that it takes a while before the complexity gets added. You know what I mean? Initially, it's pretty simple. Choose from these two yeah. attacks. There's like one modifier. It takes a while. Maybe it ramps up faster in the board game in the video game. It's that's the same. It's a very slow burn. Uh, mm-hmm. I think like um, it just it saves you the time of setting up the board, which I imagine like there's a lot of pieces, and that takes a while. Yes. Uh, but other than initial setup, like the the game itself, it's a slow burn. It's very methodical. You need to think five to four steps ahead. And when you're playing with others, like you know, choosing what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say, um, the game kind of gives you a tutorial, tells you the kind of things that you're not allowed to share with each other. Mm-hmm. And we had some house rules because we wanted to avoid the alpha player kind of problem. Yeah. Um, for those listening, the alpha player is that when you're playing a board game co-op, as a co-op, sometimes you would have one player that will start to tell everybody what else, uh, everybody else, what to do. So, um, how did you solve it? Can... Is it do you hit the hands? Because that's the the normal way to solve that is to not share information from your hands. So exactly, yeah, exactly. So not hiding the hands, but most, uh, but most like you, you're not allowed to tell anybody else what to do. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so because like, you're playing uh, a video game, so you can't hide Yeah, exactly. If the information is public, it's public. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if the information is public, we can't hide it. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, if somebody tries that, we, uh, we, uh, we call him out on it. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, we just uh, agree on there's certain types of information that we shouldn't share. Like, you know, uh, we shouldn't share your initiative to kind of keep it keep it from uh, uh, trying to combo. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So just like, you know, you play you play your turn and we and you can't share your um, your initiative. You can probably talk about what you're planning on doing. Yeah. Um, but not uh, directly to tell like, you know, I'll go 17 so you go less. Okay. You can say you can indicate. Go like I'm gonna try to go high on this one, or wanna go last. Kind of like explain your strategy, but not directly. So you know, I, I love, numbers. I love playing games with other designers for exactly that uh, reason because <laughs> we tend to because there are still designers who who like to min max and who'll take every advantage possible, and that's how they find. Oh yeah. But in general, we tend to find the fun. Uh, instead of finding the optimal path, that's what I, that's been my experience. So, like yeah. house rules that sometimes make the game harder because it's more interesting. It's not a common thing that I get with when I play board games with non-game designer friends. Uh, yeah, it's a really unique experience. I would recommend it for people who have a lot of game designers from friends. And if you don't, make some game designer friends. They're wonderful to play board games. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like watching a movie with like some movie director people yeah. and like well, people that work in the movie business. They give you such an interesting yeah. perspective into the movie that can either really annoy you or make yeah. you enjoy it in a different way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like definitely let you see it in a different way. That's for sure. They'll they'll call out like shots or framing or composition or whatever things that you, yeah. you normally just would glance over and feel but don't don't understand right yeah, yeah. Uh, so one thing i want to say about gloomhaven the video game is that it's made by a very small team so like you know kudos for the team for pulling it together but i think they also had a hard time getting all the bugs nailed so the game you know has some crashes has some soft locks sometimes oh. which uh does yeah, that be good uh, Odyssey us- feature uh, to some extent, it, it it we lost progress and we had we had to restart some stuff sometimes, uh-huh. but for the majority of it, it was still very much playable. Okay. Um, and uh, it's like you know, it it really translated the experience to a video game. So if you like Gloomhaven and you want to play with friends who are not in the same space, this is definitely the game to check out. But you know, be wary of the stuff that I mentioned. So the, uh, I actually playing Gloomhaven. Um, I thought it was missing one thing uh, because uh-huh. basically I played Gloomhaven with two different groups of people, and my character. Uh, I have two different characters with each board game. 
What I would have liked, mm-hmm. I think, what would have been a good model for Gloomhaven is if the characters are separate from the board. And you could like, it's kind of like, you could pick up your character and take it to another game and play with a different group of people. I, I really felt that that was missing from the game. Uh, it's a small nitpick, but imagine if you could like buy packs of, of blind characters, starting point characters, and just like have one persistent character that you take from adventure to adventure with different friends. Oh. Yeah, what what I, what I liked is that um, uh, like if uh, my friends want to play and I couldn't make it that night for whatever reason, they can still play without me. And, like, exactly. They can take my they can take my character off the party and then add it in. So like, we don't always have to be the four stack. If like there was three or two people, they can still like do some progress and level up their characters and buy some stuff. So um, that flexibility is really cool. Agreed. The, like like I said, the only plus one to that would have been if you could take your character and go join a different group of friends and play with them as well. Yeah. That would have been Yeah, awesome. that, would be, that would be neat if you can like maintain that character. You're right. Yeah. Cool. Um, so what else have you been playing? So I, uh, I don't want to uh, do a Rami when I'm talking about the same game every episode. <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> but but I, but, I, but I can imagine, like I can see myself doing this a bunch of times this year just because there's a bunch of really big games and really exciting games that I'm enjoying a lot. Yes. So I'll just talk about briefly about Elden Ring, which is like, I think it's the game that I'll be talking about over the next three to four episodes at least. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still enjoying it a lot. You know, like the the thing is, is that um, it's one of those games that every time I was curious about something, and this also reminds me of Breath of the Wild in many ways. Every yeah. time I'm curious about something, like I see a, a structure or a building or a group of enemies, and then I think to myself, if I go and do this thing, would there be something, or would mm-hmm. they react, or would? And every single time, my curiosity was always rewarded. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't always rewarded in the way that I expected, and that also I find fascinating. Yeah. yeah, right. So I go like, "There's probably a, a treasure chest over there," and then I go and there's like a boss <laughs> instead of a treasure <laughs> chest, or like uh, these groups of enemies. They look like they don't have anything on them, but mm. why are they there? And then I go and check it out, and then there's like something unique that is happening, mm. and. You know, like the game has this thing in which, like, it really doesn't tell you much. Like, yeah. the, there's a, there's some points in the game called the Grace Points, which is like a similar to the Bonfire of the previous Souls game. Yeah. But in this time, like the the Bonfire itself has like a ray of light that points in a direction, mm. and that's like basically the game recommending a critical path. Interesting. Which is unusual for a Souls game as well. So like, you know, one of the bonfires will tell you, you should check out stuff in that direction. Hmm. And when you open the map, you'll also see the direction of the bonfire pointing in a direction. Um, So you start following those ray of lights and then at some point they stop. And then like, I'm thinking, okay, what happened? And then like, I go explore a different part of the map and then I open a bonfire and now it's pointing in a totally different direction. Wow. Yeah, and then I start thinking, why did that happen? Let me now follow this path all the way till the end. Um, and it's like this uh, sense of wonder that really this game opens the entire time. Like the, the combination of Souls and Breath of the Wild is is so good, you know, mm-hmm. like because you are the world. The world design for all of these games has always been beautiful. You know, like really interesting, amazing Agreed. character design and all of that stuff. The world building so is all... what attracts me to it. That's why I keep trying. That's why I'm the fool who keeps getting every single yeah. <laughs> Souls it's, game. It's so intriguing, right? And then, but at the same time, unlike Breath of the Wild, when it's like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. And in this game, you know, the worst will happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're kind of like going in one step forward, two steps back, and you're trying to check out what's happened. And that's also like, you know, super cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, your curiosity is often rewarded or punished, and then rewarded again. Yeah. So I picked it up again a little bit after Ooh, okay. after you mentioned it because you're like, you know, I really want to play it. I honestly do, mm. uh, but it's really like it. It keeps pushing me away. So I picked it yeah. up again, and I'm like, you know what? Remember I spoke about the first time I said I, I, I encountered this big knight. It's not a spoiler. It's literally the first thing that you see. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's the first thing you see. Therefore, I should be able to fight it. And it like On the horse. 
Yeah, on the horse. Uh, I, I didn't have a horse. The the knight was mounted. This giant yeah. golden knight. And it kills yeah, yeah. me with, with two hits, maybe one hit. I don't know because the two hits happened so quickly. Yeah. I don't know which one killed me. But it, like, it I was still like, avoid this guy if I can, by the way. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> I learned that the hard way. I went, I, I collected my runes, which are souls, which are which is like XP, I guess, or skill points, whatever you want to call them. And yeah. then I picked them up again, avoiding him. Then I, I played and I, I, I fought the, the bats and... I thought there were there were two, but there was a third one that came from behind and killed me. I'm like, ah, and then I saw. Mm-hmm. So that, that was my first experience. Now I went back and I bypassed the the knight, bypassed the bats, mm-hmm. and I saw a whole bunch of like zombie looking things that I was actually mm-hmm. able to kill without them touching me, which gave me confidence. Yeah. So I went back at the bats, and now that I know that there are three of them, I was able to isolate one, kill it, move to the other two and kill them. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, this is working out. While this happened, the freaking knight found me and killed me because I'm like backing up from the bats. And he one-shotted me. I only realized he found me when I see like him bouncing on me. Yeah. And I'm like, what? There was no indication, sound, anything. Otherwise, I was celebrating my victory. And I stopped yeah. playing again. Not that I'm never going to go back to it, but I think I'm going to go finish Horizon and come back. And if I have long stretches of time, because that's the the, the problem is um, that I had with the Soul series in general, is my my playing habits don't allow me to play usually for more than 45 minutes to an hour, which means the yeah. next day when I play, I forget more or less how I died the first time. And I repeat mm. a few mistakes. I died two or three preventable deaths that if I had just played them back to back, I uh, yeah. oh I learned you can run in the game because apparently I missed the tutorial at the very beginning that teaches you that you could run. So it's very missable. I, like the tutorial is a shadow dude that tells you there's this hole in the in the floor. You should jump in it. Yes, uh, and, and I you was don't like, see the end of it. They're like, why would I do that? Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, that's exactly it. I'm like, uh, no, I don't. I don't trust anyone in this world that I walked by, and I didn't yeah. skip the whole entire tutorial. It's it's a it's I I get it like everyone who's played a Souls game before they're like of course you listen to the golden person I'm like what are you talking about this is all a game about <laughs> deception and and apparently the people who needed the tutorial most in large number are the ones who missed it which is a failure yeah. in design I would have flipped it the other way around I would have been like um, to proceed jump down otherwise move forward and if you move forward you get yeah. the tutorial and you know and the the guy like that that would have been a lot more understandable right like. Make yeah. the dangerous looking thing the one that, that progresses and the safe looking thing the one that's a tutorial. But anyway, who am I to say that? Maybe they played this <laughs> and got different results. Who knows? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not sure like this is the type of game that they like, you know, play test a lot or like if they play test a lot that they change a lot of how they feel about things. I feel like this is one of those like auteur-ish games yeah. in, in which like they will push in a certain direction uh, with feedback. Yeah, they will collect feedback, of course, but like you know, they have a strong vision that they will not uh, move away from it easily. I imagine mm-hmm. those yeah. end up having mixed results. Oftentimes, it's a risky. Yeah, I mean, they're very experienced and they've come up with a lot of games, so they know what they're doing at this point. But to yeah. do that on a first game is extremely risky. Demon Souls. Was and I think, game. like you know, you can kind of see that um, you know, from software prior to Demon Souls and all of these games, like they slowly built up their reputation over the years to kind of now you know what you're getting yourself into when you play one of their games. I actually don't know what uh, they made before Demon Souls. I'm gonna look it up. I'm very curious. I remember they worked on Armored Core games back in the day. Hmm. And stuff like that but you know like uh, i think at some point i'm gonna do a rami and then like um i need to play it with you yeah. and go over um <laughs> go over like the main things that you need to do mm. I, would, um, I would i would take it a few people have offered similar things so i'm gonna take someone mm. up on that we'll see when i'm when i'm done with horizon and i'm ready uh i'm definitely gonna jump back and i'll give it another shot the, the difference is I like from other people who just rate quit and stop is that I really do want to get into these games. It feels like the game doesn't want me to get into it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. uh, like there's some incompatibility. If I could get over that hurdle, I know that I would enjoy it. I love the world building. I love the sense of discovery. That's my favorite thing about Breath of the Wild. I also fell off of uh-huh. Breath of the Wild early, by the way, and I had to try it again. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. yeah. I didn't like a, a lot of I, the systems. I still don't like it's one of my favorite games of, of all time. And I still dislike a lot of the systems in the game. Uh, which brings me to another topic. Yeah, yeah. the weapon dur- durability, even the cooking. The cooking I have mixed feelings about. Um, yeah. But the weapon durability especially, which is extremely polarizing for game designers. I've gotten into heated arguments about weapon durability with game designers who are really brilliant and who are, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying we disagree. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there's very strong opinions to be had there that are both valid. Um, and that actually brings me to the other point. I actually really dislike mm-hmm. the discourse around Elden, Elden Ring. The, I, I don't like the the fan uh, club. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Uh, the I, fandom I, I, around I, it. I think, under, you know, like I... That reminds me a lot of Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty is a really good show, but there's like a a group of Rick and Morty fans that are really annoying. I agree. But it's no fault of the show. No, it is not (laughs) the fault of the game. I agree. Don't let these people, like, you know, take you away from what you're actually looking at or, like, you know, what the developers are trying to do. You know, 100% agree. But I've I've seen people, like, really pile on others for fairly criticizing the game and the game like i criticize games i love that's part of loving a thing is to discuss it and dissect it and talk about it and i think it's extremely unhealthy where people like i you know they don't allow for that no i like it it's perfect and you you suck and they uh, a lot of people have been harassed over their opinions about certain elements of the games and that's just inexcusable That's inexcusable. People should be allowed to voice uh, their opinions. Also, like if you like something, good for you. Others might not like it. If you dislike something, also good for you. You know, yeah. like don't don't play it, and it's all good. It's all don't good. be mad that it exists. <laughs> yeah. There are different player types. There's different kinds of fun. People enjoy different things. You cannot make a perfect game that everyone will love. It's absolutely impossible, and people have to understand that. I don't. I understand that like, you know some people might like something that they believe that it becomes part of their identity but you know you have to uh, be able to separate that if somebody doesn't like something even that something that you believe is part of your identity does not mean that they don't like you you know yeah. so two different things you know yeah. um, unless the, you become you know a toxic fanboy then yeah it will mean they won't like you but that's a different yeah, story I, I it's a behavior thing not the game thing toxicity of any kind is just like inexcusable in my opinion absolutely needless completely it's needless and you don't need it and enjoy what you enjoy and let other people enjoy what they enjoy speaking of enjoying what we enjoy fozy have you played the new king of fighters yet oh not yet man i'm super into elden ring but you mentioned that you're gonna get into it have you managed to so okay um i really love fighting games i really mm. really love the king of fighters uh series king of fighters 13 Long time it- fan Oh, long time fan. I've loved them for a while. It was like I fell in love with it after I think when ninety nine or two thousand came out. So I had missed the the pinnacle of them, but I went back and played. Oh them, yeah, you know what I mean. Oh um, nice. Yeah, I played 90- them since ninety four, like in the arcades. Wow, I didn't have that yeah. access. They were they were not in arcades here in in Canada. Mm. We did not get them till, wow. till. So when Capcom versus SNK came out, the first one. That's when yeah. we started getting King of Fighters games in arcades because that was a more or less the introduction. There might have been exceptions. I shouldn't speak for all of Canada, but for Montreal specifically, I know I used to frequent arcades all the time. I practically lived there. And I, the first huh. time, I, I we had Art of Fighting. We had Fatal Fury, but no King of Fighters specifically, which was bizarre. Wow. Right? Yeah. And that is um, strange. King of Fighters 13 is one of my favorite fighting games of all time, probably top three. It's really one of my favorite. Wow. Yeah, it's so good. I love the mechanics. I love the roster. I love the art style. I love so many things about it. Um, King Fighters 12 was flawed and unfinished, and I still liked it a lot. So I was mm-hmm. super happy when 13 came out and just really, like, 12 was an in- unfinished game. 13, they finished it. And I really, really was hoping that SNK continues updating uh, 13 the way they did with 94. Because, you know, mm-hmm. the, the way they did it with 94 up until King of Fighters 11, I think, mm-hmm. was that um, they would keep adding characters, removing characters, updating the characters they remove, and then adding them again. So you always had, like, uh, every, uh, the characters felt like they fit in visually. But, like, they once in a while when one char- character sprite looked dated, they would be yeah. removed and they would come back and they would be updated and they felt new again. And I loved that. I loved it so much because 
after I followed the series, I started playing them uh, a, a lot. Like the roster kept growing in a in a in a way that was that made sense production wise. So I was really hoping that would follow with King of Fighters thirteen. Then they mm. announced King of Fighters fourteen, and it was three D, and I played or two point five D, you know, three D uh, visual uh, with a two D camera, right? Yeah. And I'm a big fan of two point five fighting games. Like it's, I don't have a problem with the three D aesthetic. Oh yeah, Street Fighter four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there are a lot of a lot of them. Like Tatsunoko versus Capcom is one of my favorite. I love yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom three and Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom three. Like I love that aesthetic. I have no problems with it. But I mm. absolutely didn't like the art style of King of Fighters fourteen. It yeah. felt like how I remembered PlayStation two games to look. And although that's not a fair comparison, because if you go back and actually look at PlayStation 2 games, it's you know not the same. But that's what it felt like. And I don't know if you've seen if seen it or if you agree, but it really I felt have. Like yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the art style at all. Not a fan. As not well. a fan at all. No. And I'm a huge fan of the series, and I was very disappointed uh, by the art style. But I, I'm a huge fan of the series, and I heard it plays well, so I got 14 anyway. But because of mm-hmm. the art style, I felt like I, I would play it. I'm like, yeah, this feels good. The character, the roster is a little light. Uh, every time there's a cutscene, <laughs> my heart dies a little, you know. Oh, and man. fifteen is much better than fourteen in so many different ways. It plays better, okay. has more, more like it feels more balanced or a b- bigger roster. Um, uh, I don't like the new character designs, but there are new characters, and that's a good thing. Like they feel busier, mm-hmm. you know. The old old characters all feel iconic. Right, yeah. the new characters—they feel like fashion. They all feel like fashion icons from Japan. Who just—that's <laughs> what it just feels like. And it, it's that's there's there's no personality there, like like the old characters used to have. Uh, and I'm mm. not a fan of all the old characters, but most of the old characters felt like that. They felt really really good. Um, yeah. But I love the systems of King of Fighters 15. I really do. It's close to 13, which was one of my favorite games of all time. I love to play it. Wow. But I don't like to look at it, and I don't know how to like. I don't know how to get myself to to look at it and play it at the same time. I don't know what to do. Uh, fourteen, I fell off. Yeah, fourteen, I fell off pretty quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I checked later, and I had like literally three hours of, of wow for a fighting game. That's nothing. That's like that's I nothing. Think I, yeah, I, I tried every fighter once. I think that's like what it, what three hours will get you right, um, mm-hmm. and. I don't know if I'm going to do much more than that in 15 and it breaks my heart. It, like the, you can't, because it, I, it plays good. It plays, it plays good. Do really you like, well. you like it when you're playing it? Yes, but I just don't like looking at it. And that's uh, a big part of fighting is for me. It's the visuals. It's not just the gameplay. Yeah. I, are there any fighting games you play that you absolutely don't like the way they look? Like am I unique in this? I don't know. I, I didn't like street fighter, how street fighter five looked. Interesting. I actually preferred how Street Fighter Five looked over Four. Oh yeah, and I, yeah. The, the, like when I like I think early on when I looked at uh, Ken's teeth, I was like, no, nah, nope. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like Ken's face either. The, the like no arguments there. But I absolutely didn't like most of the characters in Street Fighter Four. Like Guile in Street Fighter Four looked ugly. To me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like go going from Super Street Fighter Guile to Street Fighter Four Guile. I'm like, what did they do? He looks like a. <laughs> What did they do to this guy? Um, there were some characters. Like basically, my opinion on Street Fighter 4 is that all the characters looked bad at the beginning. Then all the newer characters looked better and better and better until they all looked good. Like Dan looked mm. great. Dan looked great. So yeah. there was a, a shift where, and it felt like they had to redo Ken and Ryu because the initial, uh, or, and, and Chun-Li, the initial images they showed of Ken, Ryu, and Chun-Li, I thought they were ugly. Uh, but mm. I actually liked the look of Street Fighter 5. I'm, su- I'm surprised you didn't. Yeah, I, I, I think I've I just looked at Street Fighter Four too much. <laughs> ah, I see. But, but uh, you know, like it was still, still pretty good. Like there were very few fighting games that I played and I didn't like too much. Maybe like back in PlayStation One era, but that's a bit different. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very different. They, they, yeah. anything three D back then didn't, <laughs> didn't look good. We were just impressed. It yeah, was 3D. yeah, it was kind of hard. Like I was like, I remember like getting. I don't know if you remember that game. A game called Tobo. Yeah. Number, uh, and it was like you know Akira Toriyama making like the the character design. Yeah, and it was a Square, a Square Enix fighting game. And you look yeah, at the yeah. covers like, oh my god, these look like Dragon Ball characters. And then you boot it up and you're like, oh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> so 
I actually don't like that art style for you know the the Dragon Quest or the Dragon Ball Z or the. Oh, you don't like Akira Toriyama? No, yeah. I don't. I don't. It never did anything for me. I think it's it's a generational thing because my brother is younger and he absolutely loved it. I think if you grew up with Dragon Ball, then you automatically like the the, the style. Uh, yeah. Generalizing, of course. I, it's, I like, was, it's iconic. Yeah, no, I don't deny that. I don't deny it's iconic, mm. and I'm not gonna say it's ugly. It's just not appealing to me. That's that's it. Yeah, I don't yeah, have I understand that, that completely. Yeah, but I know Tobal number one, and I know what you're talking about. There were <laughs> it didn't translate well to 3D at all. <laughs> no, no, a lot of games are like that too. By the way, like that. As soon as they went to, do you remember Star Gladiator? I remember Star Gladiator. Oh my god, that's been it's been a long time since I heard about Star Gladiator. <laughs> but yes. So, like I absolutely love the concept art. It's gorgeous. And in 3D, yeah. it's not that it was ugly, but it just did not look like the concept art at all. It looked like yeah. very It was good style. for its time as well. It was. OG it had this weird thing in the character select screen where like you have like a zoomed in uh, yeah. image on the on the fighter's face. And then when you pre- when you select them. They would like, you know, smile in a weird way or show teeth. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was an odd time. Type thing. Yeah. Uncan- oh, it's not, not even close to being canny. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember, like, one of my favorite fighting game series of all time is uh, Project Justice, like Rival Schools. Did you play that? I played both Rival Schools 1 and 2. I know, which is Project Justice, Rival Schools 2, I think, right? Or am yeah. I mixing them up? I don't. Uh, I think, I think um, Rival Schools was, uh, Two was called Project Justice. That's what I remember, but I could be wrong. Maybe there was another so, one. So I never played Rival Schools Two in English. I only played the Japanese version. Oh, okay. I, I played uh, both. Because, I also played the Japanese version because it had like a board game mode that didn't exist in the North American. Version. Exactly. There was a story mode, and it had a lot of like mini games. Yeah, that was really good. Oh, man, I didn't understand what was happening, but I played it anyway. I didn't speak Japanese at the time, but I was like super into what's going on. I I would love for that series to come back. Actually, me too. Kind of almost did a little bit with Street Fighter Five because Akira was introduced as a character. Um, but no, I want to. I want a full fledged. Like I would love for that series to collapse into Street Fighter and we start seeing characters from there instead of like Luke. I don't know if you saw the teaser for Street Fighter Six. I have. What did you think of it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what they're thinking. Did you see? Did you uh, see Luke from Street Fighter Six, the character Luke? Yes, I, I didn't play much uh, Luke actually, so yeah. I don't know much about him. I, di- I didn't play him at all, to be honest. It doesn't appeal mm. to me. But that's actually the point. I don't yeah. get this decision to make Luke the new poster boy of Street Fighter. Like, I just yeah. don't get it. So they announce a character. He's the last character in Street Fighter V. He's just a boxer. Doesn't actually mm-hmm. have anything very interesting about him. And yeah. um, I guess he's like boxer plus mixed martial arts a little bit, which I guess they're trying to ride the mixed martial arts uh, wave. But he just does not stand out. Doesn't have an iconic look at all. And they introduce him at the end of Street Fighter V before anyone has a chance to like him or dislike him or to see how, like, the, you know, to take the temperature of the room. And now yeah. he's the main character or seems to be the main character of Street Fighter VI. And I don't That's get very it. strange. I That's don't very get it. strange. Like, I have a main character that I wanted for Street Fighter VI that I think would have fit so well. I really think they should have brought back Sean from Street Fighter Three. And actually mm-hmm. made him like you know level up. There's already precedent for it. There's story for it. They could that would have been a better fit. Not the only fit. There were there's Sakura could have been a really good main character. Mm. Sakura's game now. Like uh, there's a way to pass on the baton to the next generation that that is you know that pays homage to the the lore and the 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 history of the franchise. This felt like. The worst way to do it. Take a character nobody cares about, make them main, uh, and I don't know. I, I don't mind what they did to Ryu. I know, I know a lot of people were making fun of it, but I, yeah. I, I, I don't mind it so much. I think it's a little overdone, but whatever. We'll see. Yeah, that has always been disproportionate to me. Yeah. Like, you know, Ryu's yeah. feet, um, like, he's, if he is ever to wear shoes, they need to be custom made. That's for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> he has to wear garbage bags. <laughs> no, he's not gonna. It's just gonna walk into the Nikes and grab a pair. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> oh, that, you know that doesn't happen to me. I just bought shoes over the weekend, and the way I bought, I, I wear size thirteen, like US. I don't oh, know yeah. if that is in European, but I literally walk into a store and I say, "What do you have in size 13? And I pick from a small list of of you know, like usually maybe if I'm lucky, three or four choices. <laughs> And if I don't like them, I move on to the next store and repeat. That's how that's how I buy shoes. So, well, big guy problems. Yeah, <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. So, what did you think of the teaser overall? I, you know, like it's hard for me not to get excited for a Street Fighter game. Yeah. So there's a new Street Fighter game coming. I want to see more. Yeah. I want to see what kind of combat is going on. I really like the direction they took with Street Fighter Five. Yeah. Um, from a mechanics point of view, it's a shame that it wasn't a point in my life where I couldn't really get into it. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping, like, you know, with six, uh, you know, I'll be able to get back into it and play as much as I did with four. Huh. I agree, actually. I, I really do like Street Fighter V. I didn't get a chance to play it all that much either. I. Uh, when I was a uh, when Street Fighter Five came out, I was still working at Ubisoft at the time, and Ubisoft yeah. Montreal had like a fighting game turn like a tournament scene. So we would actually mm. play it's internal, but I mean there was actually a lot of participants. We used to get oh, like great. sometimes fifty or sixty participants in a tournament. It wasn't a, a joke. Like, wow. a lot of people played it. Yeah, and um, it was Street Fighter Five had just come out the weekend before, and there was a tournament that mm. week, and I did not have time to play it, but I signed up for yeah. the tournament. And I bought the game, and I signed up for the tournament thinking I would have time to practice for a couple of days before, but I showed up to the tournament having not touched the game, period. And I came fifth place. <laughs> oh, nice. Not bad. I, I, I tried Zangief. He was too different. So I, I, I lost a round, I, uh, like a, a matchup. A game. Uh, yeah. A game, sorry. Uh, switched to Chun-Li, because I'm, I'm trying the characters for the first time, right? Found a yeah. lot of success with Chun Li because she played a lot like the Street Fighter Three version, but I couldn't remember how to do the overhead. I literally had a game where I was like, "Do you know how to do her overhead?" Where I turned to my <laughs> opponent, I'm like, "Do you know how to do this overhead?" He looked at me confused, told me how to do it, and I used it against him and won the, the game, <laughs> won the matchup with her. I made it kind of, it was like double elimination type thing, but I came fifth place and I was super shocked. I, I wow, really was expecting amazing. to be eliminated first round, but it was new to everybody. <laughs> and I just took the character that, you know, was most similar to a character I used to play before. And <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I played it a few more times since then. I tried some of the new characters, did not like uh, a lot of the new characters. I, I, I It's a trend. I'm sure a lot of it is nostalgia. I love when old characters yeah. come back. Um, but I just, I don't know how much of it is nostalgia and how much of it is, I just don't like yeah. the new designs. I just don't like them. I get it. No, I think like for me, I, um, like, you know, what I liked about five is that they, um, this mecha mechanically speaking, they uh, moved away from all the really difficult things in street fighter four. Yeah, so yeah. I can, uh, this Focus might cancel. sound like a, 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 a lot of gibberish. <laughs> to uh, to non-fighting games, fan. but no, no, even beyond focus cancel, I think like you know, one frame links is no longer yeah. a thing in Street Fighter Five. They you know, yeah. thank thank God for that because linking a combo at the like I've, you have only one frame to link the combo. That yeah. is very difficult to pull off. And like, and in Not Street Fighter Four, like you know, if you drop a combo, you get really punished. Yes. Um, so like one frame links was gone. You know, I'm happy with that. Street Fighter Five also removed option select. I'm yes. also very happy for yes. that. I didn't have options the timing to be able to. Super difficult. Select. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't fast enough to do it. For for those who don't know, option select is when you like start a move and then you're able to see how it plays out and then react to it. I guess that's a simpler version of. Uh, but you you have frames. You have just a, like two or three frames to be able to react yeah. to what you see in front of you. And most people in the world just do not have the the, the timing to be able to do that. Of course, professional uh, players do. But. Yeah, another way it could be is that, like you know, for some move you can uh, you can do the input in a way yeah. so that based on your opponent's reaction, one yeah. of two moves will come out. Yes. Uh, so, like um, inputting the moves that way will be far superior to the the regular input because yeah. you're stuck with whatever the input you've done. Whereas when you do the input that way, you can select an option depending on what your opponent does. 
Yeah. And that happens in a split second. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> unfair, to be yeah. honest, because yeah. even if your opponent reacts, you still, because of the input, can punish. Yeah, exactly. So Street yeah. Fighter Five like really streamlined a lot of this and like you know brought it back to the mind games, to the footsies, to uh, me, yeah. to to the like, yeah, like the 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 bread and butter of uh, fighting games. So I'm hoping that Street Fighter Six will continue in that direction. Um, but like you know, they add uh, the characters that we love in the same way as Osamu was saying. But we'll see. We'll see. I have. I'm still gonna buy it. I mean, I bought fifty. Uh, you and I are gonna play it so much that oh, that, that so is definitely happening. I'm so looking yeah, forward yeah. to that. Yeah, we'll but, play yeah. a lot of it, and I'll still get excited with every announce of every character. Um, uh-huh. When you mentioned, "Hey, have you seen the trailer?" I thought you meant there was a new trailer that dropped, and my heart dropped. I'm like, "No, I haven't. <laughs> I've only seen the teaser." Like, no, that's what I was talking about. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but like I'm still gonna be super excited about it. I still don't like Luke as a poster boy, but it's fine. I'll get over. I can it. understand that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how about we jump into mail? We have some mail. Ooh. Oh, emails. If so, you wanna, if you wanna send us email, send it to info at thehabibis.com so we can, it. can read it. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So this mail, the, the, both of these are a little bit uh, older, so we missed them from last week because we recorded really late. So I'll read them out, but maybe the content of these two emails uh, is a little dated. So we'll start with the first one from uh, Ra'ad, I think. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. Oh, it's Ra'ad. Uh, he wrote in Arabic, so I can't pronounce it the right way. Ah, could be Ra'ad. Ra'ad, there you go. Thunder. Yeah, Ra'ad. There you go. Uh, I was wondering what you all think of systemic games and how more and more companies are uh, patenting uh, said systems like with a nemesis system. Do you think it'll prevent different teams from being creative and creating something entirely new out of it? Or will this be the kind of limitation that'll make people more creative and work around it? It's a very good question. Do you have any it's thoughts so on inter- that? Interesting. So personally, I'm not a big fan of patenting game design systems only mm-hmm. because it, it kind of like assumes that that system did not get inspired or build, built on on a system before that which mm-hmm. is never the case we are all standing on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. people have built or designed something uh, based on designs that they've seen before or like they've improved on another design in some way mm-hmm. so to try to prevent people from doing the same i believe just slows us down as a medium and like would have allowed us to move in like a, a very different direction because it's the, you know the nature of design is iterative, yeah. um, so it means incrementally involving on system. It's it's how the design of everything work, let alone games. So I used to think it was I, not possible to des- to patent uh, like game design me- mechanics. I was very confused when I started seeing patents popping up because uh, the I was taught initially when I first started learning about games that. Jokes and and game design are two things that you can't patent. And then there were a few workarounds around them, like the Namco loading screen where you play a game inside a loading screen got around it because it's not technically uh, a game mechanic. It's it's a it's like kind of a how do you say it? Um, It's a vehicle for playing games, and that they were able to patent temporarily. But I was shocked when I found out that the message system was patented. I thought that that was not possible. I thought that that was not allowed. Uh, so I'm shocked. It's and it doesn't it doesn't help anyone. This is this, this no. doesn't benefit anyone at all. Even the company that made it, it doesn't benefit them, in my opinion. Because if another game comes out and and uh, uses a similar system, um, they they can learn from it. It's just knowledge sharing. You know, they could learn from it and impl- implement whatever learnings the other game did. I don't see why we would do it. I don't see the benefit at all. Yeah, I feel like we should always share knowledge whenever we can. So, like, you know, trying to not do that just doesn't gel well with me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I think we're like-minded. We're not going to very argue very much about this. Uh, so what was the second part of it? Or will this be a kind of limitation that will make people more creative and work around it? I don't see it as a, as a positive thing. I think there are always limitations. People will try to work around it if they if they like it, but more, more likely if it's, patented they're just going to ignore it and come up with a different system so we might see innovations yeah. in that light uh but i would have loved for people to have both options whether to come up with something different because they don't want to be samey or whether to improve on the old mechanic uh which is how the best designs happen like people keep a good example of that is people who, when elden ring came up people kept comparing it 
to uh, Breath of the Wild, as if Breath of the Wild was one of the first open world exploration game, but it's not. It's just one that took that formula and, you know, mixed it up a bit in a way that was appealing to a wider audience. Uh, but we would not have gotten Breath of the Wild if it wasn't for, for example, Assassin's Creed or, you know, other games that um, did something similar beforehand that Breath of the Wild was able to build on or GTA, of course, GTA 3 and other games like it. So, yeah, I I still don't see it as a positive and I'm very sad that that is allowed, period. Well, per- perfect answer, Sam. I have nothing to add. That was, that was great. Thank you, Habibi. I appreciate it. <laughs> we have another email. Let's go there. Oh, cool. All right. So we have an email from Hani. Uh, oh, Hani from Discord. Oh, I see Hani's post yeah. a lot. Uh, oh, and look what he says. He says, long-time listener of the podcast, but here's my first email. Tisk tisk, Hani. Send us more emails. <laughs> no, <laughs> but thank you for this one. I'm kidding. Um, so the question, my question is the following. In 2022 thus far, we have had two huge acquisitions in the first two months, ABK and mm-hmm. Bungie. In February, Two games, Horizon and uh, Elden Ring, launched with incredibly high review scores across the board, both being Mm -hmm. called masterpieces, must-tries, and even providing genre-advancing gameplay. It's about to be March, and it feels like it's already been one hell of a year for games. Are we allowed to say hell? Uh, Let me figure that out. Yeah, you can. (laughs) Keep it. (laughs) So what do you think the rest of 2022 holds in store for games and gamers? What are your expectations? I mean, in terms of games, industry trends, or just about anything related to games, really. Sorry if the question is a bit too broad. Yeah, oh, it's, just, it's a good question. I think it's a great also, question. like um, on on the first trend, like you know, acquisition and conversion, I can only see that trend continuing. Yes. So um, you know, like it's the, it's the big one, but that does not mean that it's going to stop. But also, like the, this is there's been a lot of like you know big acquisitions happening over the past couple of years but you know acquisition has been part of this industry for the longest of times um the the scale has uh, grown of course i'm going to uh, agree with that but like you know companies have been acquiring companies for as long as the video game industry has existed and it will continue to do so for as long as the industry too exists so i don't think that trend is going to change we're likely to see more big acquisition coming up in the future i imagine Absolutely. And in terms of uh, what, like, if there's, like, in terms of acquisitions, I have nothing to add. I absolutely expect this trend to continue. We're going to see a lot of really big acquisitions coming soon. Uh, in terms of games, it always feels that way, by the way. At the beginning of a year, big games come out and you're like, wow, how's anything going to top this later this year? And then at the end of the year, you're like, wait, what came out at the beginning of the year? Elden Ring might be an exception to that <laughs> this year, but in general, it's normal. You you always like it. it what it's a, called the proximity rule. It's like whatever was released closer is what you were, think about the most. Um, I say give it time. I'm sure there are a lot of other really big, ex, like exciting releases that are going to come out this year that are going to uh, be mm-hmm. vying for game of the year as well. Yeah, I, I imagine this game this year is going to be bigger in terms of releases than the previous couple of years, just because I think a lot of studios have, uh, you know, like even from last year, uh, over 20 titles, if not more, have been delayed from 2021 yeah. to 2022. And now with the world kind of coming back to some kind of new normal, um, a lot of game studios are probably having a harder time uh, uh, shipping. Yeah. Uh, remotely will be able to do so in a, in a different circumstances. So I expect that this year is going to be a busy one just because there's all the games from last year coming in and a bunch of people being able to wrap up the work on what they're doing this year too. So it's, like it's a, it's a very promising start and a, an amazing couple of games uh, to play, but uh, there's more to come. Absolutely. Wow, really good questions this week. I'm really hoping yeah. that this trend continues and we get more questions for next week. Um, but that's all the time we have. So, yeah. Do you have anything else to add, Fozzie, before we wrap it up? Uh, no, it's uh, always cool to have a chat with you, some and catch up. Uh, sorry that Rami couldn't be here, but, uh, uh, you know, we'll have the three Habibis uh, coming together to do a podcast at some point, inshallah. Inshallah. Maybe one day in person. It's becoming more and one more day likely. in person, hopefully. It's becoming more likely, hopefully. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, folks, thank you very much for tuning in and see you next week. Salam. Salam.
That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I'm Osama Dorias, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Osama Dorias. My fellow Habibis were Rami Ismail, you can find on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami, and Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubaydah, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea, with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening, and salam alaikum.